0: Everybody, this is Just Sold with Brent McIntosh of the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. My name is Bryn Griffiths and Brent McIntosh joins us as always. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you today? Fine, thank you. Here we go. Another week, another podcast and somebody special joining us. Yeah, we're going to have a, a few podcasts in a row of unique occupations. And
1: I was just looking for people who have jobs that not very many other people have. And today we're joined by a friend of both you and me. Mm-hmm. Uh, none other than somebody, people will recognize his voice. If Hold they've it, ever Hold been it. To don't, don't say Oilers his name. Stadium. Why don't we just
0: have him do something he would normally do, Brent? So let's say I score a goal and he would flip on his switch. And what would he say? Oilers goal! his first of the season. <laughs> only of the season yeah, there you go.
2: <laughs> career career yes First of, yeah, exactly well thank you for joining us ladies and gentlemen it is al stafford al how are you i'm good i'm well and it's great to join you guys uh, i don't get to see nearly enough of you anymore well,
1: well thank you for joining us um you you obviously used to and and still do work in the radio industry and your full-time job but we're not going to talk about that as much because we're going to talk about your part-time job and, and the, the more fun job i i think because of what you get to do and how few people do your job but uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your past
2: well okay um uh born in toronto and uh, moved to alberta in 1985 and um Moved up to Edmonton in uh, 86 after living for a year in Calgary. Uh, I got wise, so that was good. And I've been working in media since uh, the 80s. And in 1996, I got the opportunity to audition to be the second voice uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, Back in those days, we had two announcers. Mark Lewis would do goals and assists. He was the famous one. And then I'd do corporate announcements and stuff like that. And then uh, when Mark finally retired uh, a few years ago, they... uh, Finally, gave me a, a shot at the big chair, so uh, I've been doing public address announcing for the orders in Roger's place for four seasons now,
1: oh, and, and an awesome job you do. Well, you and I worked together at six thirty, Ched and you worked with Bryn, I think.
0: You know, it's yeah. weird. I don't think did we ever technically work together. I know that we've always been associated with oh. radio for the longest time, but we've known each other going back to CKO, which was an old radio network. Yeah. News network. And that's back in the early 80s, I think, isn't it, Al?
2: Yeah. I, uh, that was my first job at radio was back in 1983 in Toronto as an overnight operator at CKO and then uh, came out west to CKO. They transferred me twice, once to Calgary, once to Edmonton. I don't think you and I worked for that company at the same time. No. I think the only time we were ever actually employed by the same people was back in the days when you were working for the Oilers. That's
0: true. And oh. I did fill in for you at the same place, but you were never there when I was there because I was there because you weren't right. Oh, at, at one of the former sports radio stations here in the city. Is I, that right? I, actually, it was a music station at that particular time, but you know what? That's the business, Al. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And which
2: was very transient. I'm lucky to be back in it full time now at my age um, and certainly love being behind a microphone. I think that was the, thing I was probably born to do. Some people might tell you different, but uh, I I love it. Uh, I I love that role. I don't mind getting up early in the morning to go to the radio station. And uh, I'll tell you that the Oilers hours are a lot better than the radio station hours are. And it's a lot more entertaining too, because my job in the mornings, I'm by myself, but in the evenings, I'm in front of 18,000 people.
1: And how does one get that job? How does one become a voice?
2: Well, uh, I'll tell you what the process was for me in, uh, 1996, a fellow that both of you know, Dave Jameson, um, he was working as program director at shed and he told me that they were auditioning for the secondary voice for the Oilers and he thought I should go apply. So I did, there were 12 of us and, uh, I was lucky enough to pass the audition back in those days and became, like I said, the secondary announcer. So my job was, uh, to read all of the corporate announcements, the 50-50 draw and those kinds of things that go on in the building over the course of a game and be there just in case Mark couldn't do a game. Uh, By Mark's last season in 2016, he missed 15 games that year uh, because he was spending more time down in Arizona. And so I began to transition into that role on a more of a full-time basis. Fantastic. And tell us what happens behind the scenes, because
1: it's not just you going on and and saying whatever you want, I'm assuming. Uh,
2: Sadly, no, because that would make it so much more entertaining, although I wouldn't have the job (laughs) much longer if it it was true. Um, Having said that, there's a couple of things that go on. I mean, first of all, I get a fairly thick script um, every night of corporate announcements that I have to do over the course of the game. And they have an in-bowl host as well, too, uh, this year. Uh, Chelsea Bird from Ched has been doing uh, the bulk of that work. And she's doing a bang-up job. And then the other things that happened are kind of unscripted in a way. And uh, that's goals and assists and penalties and those sorts of announcements that uh, we relay from ice level. And so, do you have a question? Yeah, you said yeah.
0: unscripted, but yet there's still a format you got to follow, right?
2: Absolutely. As a matter of fact, the first time I ever did it, even though I'd sat next to Mark for years, I froze for a second because of like how do I say this in exactly the same order that he says it in? Because the last thing you want to be when you're a public address announcer is noticed because that usually means you made a mistake. Yeah. But if it sounds like it's supposed to come out, then you did fine. And so, yeah, it's not scripted how to do a goal announcement, but you have to do it the same way and be consistent all the time. And, that's something that you kind of learn over time, too. Penalty announcements are kind of like that as well. Even something as simple as the last minute of the play, it's a kind of thing that uh, not only the fans, but the players and the coaches have come to expect. Just getting back to my description, uh, just really quickly, while I can glean a fair amount of the information from ice level on my own, I'm not allowed to make an announcement until I've been given the official scoring play or penalty from the NHL off-ice officials. And there are a bunch of those that work in the building too. So they relay the information from uh, the penalty box up to me. And then I make sure I've got what I need. And then I make my announcement in the case of a goal. Then we also have uh, the organist who will play an organ stab after the name of the goal scorer and that kind of thing. You mean like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So is he there do that. a so, real live organist in the building? Yeah, there is, as a matter of fact, his name is jazz. Nip. Uh, he's been doing the job for three or four years. Now he's a terrific player. And, yeah, he's got to be ready, uh, you know, as soon as I say Connor McDavid to give that little organ stab kind of thing. And so we go through that whole process and there's stuff that happens on the scoreboard and around the arena as well with lights and everything else. And those are things I don't have time to pay attention to. But it's, it's, if you stop and take a look at everything involved in just a goal announcement, it's quite an extensive process. You have a director yes. that's telling you when to talk. Yeah, game day director right now is Lindsey Gullett. He's been doing this uh, job since 2018. Uh, Lindsey's from Winnipeg and uh, worked for the, the Manitoba Moose uh, there for a while, too. And, yeah, it's it's his job to come up with the script. And then it's his job to coordinate me and the organist and the DJ, who will also play music, and uh, the the brass and drum crew that is uh, off high up and they play some stuff over the course of the game. Plus what's going on in the video room downstairs and uh, camera people and stuff like that. He's responsible for all of that. His job is um, much too complicated for me to explain.
1: Well, you mentioned um, about making a mistake. Have you ever made a mistake while you've been doing an announcement? Yes. Yeah. And you remember it? (laughs) Uh, uh...
2: I, I actually try to put those behind me as quickly as I can because I find if I don't, if I, I, then I end up focusing on the mistake yeah. and I'll make another one. Um, I don't think I have ever made a mistake so egregious where everybody in the building would go. What? but <laughs> uh, But having said there's a slip of the tongue occasionally just to speak perfectly all night long. It's really difficult to do. So you try to limit them as much as possible. You take a deep breath and really get your thoughts organized first before you actually open up the microphone.
1: How about hard names, Russian names to say on the
2: microphone from a visiting team coming in? Oh my goodness. That's, um, that's become a real challenge over the years because there are so many players now that come from outside of North America, Russians mm-hmm. and, uh, and Czechs and Swedes and Finns and stuff like that. I mean, yes, uh, Arby, the first time I saw that name, wow. Um, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's an awful lot of vowels in there, and not, or an awful lot of consonants in there, not too many vowels. So, but you have, to, you have to get all of them right because the players expect it, the fans expect it. And, and of course, I put it upon myself, too. Back in the old days, we used to just go visit the, the visiting broadcasters and would ask them how they were pronouncing given names and stuff like that. Um, nowadays, the, the NHL puts out a pronunciation guide, which helps us out. And there's actually um, an audio link that I can use uh, off the NHL media website as well, too, if I need to double check pronunciation at the last minute. No way. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they do give us a lot of resources, actually, which really helps out, makes the job a lot
0: easier. So currently, what's the toughest one for you? Hmm. The toughest name.
2: I struggled with, uh, uh, in, in Minnesota for a little bit too, um, because his name looks kind of odd. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm skipping over oh, yeah. the obvious one. Um, uh, Brovetsky from, uh, Nashville, the defenseman, um, uh, big, rugged rear guard or whatever, his name is not said anywhere close to how it's actually spelled. So (laughs) that might be the
0: toughest one. What about Shillington in Calvary starts with a K?
2: Yes, that's true. And Heedle in uh, New York starts with a C-H. So, yeah, there's a bunch of them out there. They're all a little weird. You're right. (laughs) And and do you make yourself notes? Do you you have it spelled phonetically? Um, Sometimes I do, particularly if I have to do something like the starting lineup where I where I'm rolling through a series of things all at the same time. And I don't have time to double check it normally with a goal or a penalty. I've got time to kind of rehearse it in my head before I have to say it. Cause there are fewer names at that point. What's the best part of your job, Al? Oh, watching hockey and getting paid for it. Are you kidding
0: me? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, it, 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 I was never going to make it in the NHL as a player. Brent, you've skated with me, so you know, um, but to get to the NHL at this level and then be able to, um, watch the best athletes in the world playing one of the hardest games to play, I think, um, and to do it at such an elite level like that, night in and night out. I'm coming up on a, a thousand games for the Oilers, actually. I've actually gone over a thousand in the NHL because I worked in the bubble and I did 99 games uh, for 13 other home teams as well. I guess that would kind of be a record unofficially, wouldn't it? I've been the PA announcer for 14 different teams in the National Hockey League.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was actually, I had that in my notes to talk about the bubble. What was that experience like for you working in the bubble?
2: Cold, 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 cold. Oh. The, Rochester, I love Rogers place. It's a terrific arena. But when I get to the building about two hours before a puck drop, it's 13 and a half degrees in my booth. When they don't let people into the building... It never gets any warmer than that. So having fans come back after the bubble was terrific because they were bringing in much needed heat, which made it easier for us. There were nights when uh, we were working in the bubble when I was in an overcoat, a toque, I never put on gloves, it never got to that stage, but, but cold was the thing that I remember the most about it. And the other thing that was most difficult was actually trying to manufacture that enthusiasm to give the players the same game day experience they would get in a full building when the building was right. completely empty. Because you know the players aren't really paying attention to what you're doing, but you still have to do your job the same way. And that must have been weird. It must. Have- yeah, it was difficult. They actually moved me to, uh, and I did the, the job in the visiting coaches box for the bulk of it as well, too, because they wanted to keep us separated upstairs. There wasn't the same level of media upstairs that there normally would be or uh, any other things that we would normally find in the building on a game day. Uh, so that made it a challenge as well. But just the hollowness of it and the lack of energy, you have no idea how much energy and enthusiasm
0: fans generate on a game-to-game basis. And when we finally got them back, hallelujah. A friend of mine, Jamie Campbell, who obviously works at Sportsnet, came to intern at CBC Edmonton. So he had grew, he'd grown up as an Edmonton Oilers fan, had watched all the games at the old Coliseum, and the first thing he said to me was, I have to meet this guy this guy named Mark Lewis who does the announcing because for me, he is the voice of Edmonton hockey because every time he announced a Wayne Gretzky goal, that's the voice. Like Paul Morris used to do this job at Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto, Maple mm-hmm. Leaf Goal scored by Dave Keon, that kind of thing. <laughs> Have you ever had that experience now where somebody said, your voice sounds familiar to me and I, I, I can't quite place it. Have you had, had an episode like that?
2: I get it occasionally. Um, when I'm out shopping or something like that. And sometimes you can tell because there'll be this kind of startled look of recognition on a person's face, but they still can't place the voice. They know they've heard it somewhere, but they don't know where from. Um, I worked for a few years selling musical instruments too, in between radio gigs and I used to get it on the sales floor uh, a lot as well. Um, gratifying that they actually recognize the voice. Maybe someday I'll be able to get them to link the voice to the name. So they'll actually know who I am.
1: Yeah. Well, you, you could do that at the supermarket. Just start announcing things at the supermarket.
2: I do get asked actually an awful lot to kind of do the thing Bryn asked me to do off the top too. And I try not to do it in public because I think if people hear it out of context, yeah, they think I'm just showing off and they don't know why I'm actually doing it. So I, I try not to call that kind of attention to myself. <laughs> Uh,
1: well, I, I think a lot of us are envious that you've got a job. Obviously, as you said, where you get paid to watch hockey, and then again, one of the most unique jobs. There's uh, seven of you uh, officially in Canada that do your job, mm-hmm. and thir- 32 in, in in North America. So, so very unique job, and and very envious of of, and a great set of pipes. I guess we sh- we should have mentioned that you have a great voice. So that's well, probably. You. The first thing that that uh, uh, they, they don't hire a lot of squeaky announcers
2: um, typically no and I mean there are a lot of guys in the NHL who have some just terrific pipes I mean much deeper more resonant than mine certainly I've lucky I've been able to do the job this long and um, I'll tell everybody who's watching or listening right now I plan to keep it for as long as I possibly can these jobs don't come along very often and you hold on to them <laughs> like grim deaths <laughs> Well, thanks again
1: for joining us, Al. And and for those listening, make sure you pay attention the next time you're at Roger's place. Can you give us one more, Al? I know you said you don't like to do it in public.
0: Well, I'll do it for you. What do you want? Yeah, come on. Well, do a okay. penalty because that's what he's known for. Oh, all the Remax <laughs> yeah, guys right. say, oh, he's taking dumb penalties all the time. <laughs> do a penalty, Al. Come on. Uh, well, see, penalties are always done the same way, right? I mean, uh, the penalty
2: uh, to... Uh, Chad, good guys, number. What'd you wear,
0: Mac? 70, 17. Seventeen. Seventeen. Uh, That'd be a slashing yeah. penalty, by the yeah.
2: way. Uh, no, <laughs> no. It, it it would be holding or <laughs> hooking or. But, you guys, they're you both know.
1: wrong. It was unsportsmanlike. Oh yes. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh wow. Oh, he does like to chat. That's true. So
1: that's yep. oh, absolutely. Was,
0: but don't don't worry usually, about.
1: it. It was usually me commenting, uh, telling the ref uh, what kind of job he was
2: doing. <laughs> and they need that from time to time. Uh, they they really do need. like the feedback. They I'm told. A little told bit they of <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Guys, thank you so much for the invitation. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us, Al.
0: Okay, Brent, I guess we better tell everybody how they can get a hold of you and all the stuff that's going on in the marketplace right now. Where do you want to start with that?
1: Well, let's just talk real quick. Uh, you know, we're just over a month into 2022, and people are always wanting to know what's going to happen with prices. And for the most part, if you own a single family house, it's probably worth a tiny bit more than it might have been last year. So we're up. Our median sales price for single family homes in 2022 is now sitting at 420000 here at Edmonton. Uh, Last year, at the same time, it was 395 days on market has dropped from a median of 47 days down to 39 days. So houses are worth a tiny bit more, they sell a tiny bit quicker. Uh, the median sales price for condominiums, and we've talked about condominiums for the last year or two, Bryn, and yeah, you and know, they just keep going farther and farther down. So we've fallen a little bit again, we're down to 192,000 from a year ago, we were at 194,250 dollars. So, so down a smidge, and I think that that number will continue to fall until we see one of two things. Either the median sales price for single-family homes will go through the, the roof, and or interest rates will go up where it'll make it too expensive to afford a house. And then condominiums will catch fire again. Uh, Median days on market for condominiums last year, it was 60 days at this time. Now it's 61. So not a gigantic increase, but again, the condo market is, is a lot different than the the single family market. If somebody is interested in selling either a condominium or a house, obviously we'd love to help. They can reach our team directly at 780-464-0075 or find us on
0: the web, macintoshgroup.ca. And even if somebody just wants some advice, maybe they're you know they're, they're thinking about it, maybe they're not aggressively looking, can they still give you a shout? Of course, we're never too busy to take those calls and we'd be glad to help just even free, free consultation
1: just to talk, whether it be in person or as you say on the phone, just to talk about the market. Because sometimes maybe it's not best for somebody to buy a property that they're looking for, or maybe maybe this isn't the perfect time to sell that house and we'll give them honest advice. Okay, great. Hey, thanks for your time today. That was a lot of fun. It was. Uh, no, never fun. really got see a true week. call
0: out of your penalty spiel that you took on the ice or anything no, like that.
1: No, no. I guess he didn't want to embarrass me for all, all the times that I was in the penalty box.
0: <laughs> oh, great. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. So, see you soon. All right. So once again, check us out. At the Macintosh Group at Remax River City. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Brent Griffiths. He's Brent Macintosh, and we'll see you next time.